Section 48 of From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. A Story of Rustem, the Hero of Persia, retold from the Shah Nameh from the Book of Kings by Ferdusi. In the days when the great chieftain Salm ruled over the province of Seistan, there was born unto him a son named Zal, who had hair as white as a lily, as white as a goose's wing, as white as the snows on the mountain tops. For that reason, though the child's form was straight as a cypress tree, his face in beauty shining like the moon, men laughed at the chieftain Salm, and Salm, the hero of many battles, fell conquered as any coward weakling before the taunts and scorn of men. On a night of storm and thunder, he gave commands that his helpless babe should be left to perish on a mountain top. Now on the border of Seistan, far from the homes of men, stands the mountain called Elburz. Its lofty crest towers up to meet the stars, its sides are rocky cliffs, so steep that mortal foot hath never scaled them. Here, far, far beyond the reach of men, the Cymerg has her nest the giant bird, the bird of marvel, of shining ebony, black as night, and fragrant sandalwood, that nest was builded. Around its base the cliffs were thickly veined with golden quartz, and gleamed with rubies, topaz, opals, brilliant stones of fire. From out the swirling banners of storm a voice addressed the bird of God, and bade her save the babe. Sweeping down, she took him gently in her talons, and bore him to her nest, there to warm him with her own dear nestlings under her tender golden wings. In her lofty airy the simmer brought the babe to boyhood. Many a time, at her request, he sprang upon her mighty back and was borne in free and glorious flight, up, up to the golden moon, in and out amongst the silvery stars, till he knew all the wonders of the heavens, then sweeping down, down over all the earth, till he knew all the wisdom of men. But the time came when the lonely Salm repented sorely what he had done, so that even the remembrance of his deeds of valor was but as dust in his nostrils. Then he went to Mount Elbers, bound his son, now grown a youth, bowed his head to the earth before him, and besought him to return unto Seistan. With grief and tenderness, the silver-crowned one bade his foster-mother farewell, and went back home with Salm. A mighty hero he grew to be to gladden his father's heart, but the greatest moment in all his life was that wherein the bird of wisdom, the all-knowing bird of God, brought unto him and his fair bride, Rudabe, a son, a splendid boy, whom they called Rustem, which meaneth delivered. For, said the wise men, while he liveth will he ever stand between Persia and her foes. Now the child was as fair as a nosegay of lilies and tulips and of marvelous strength. At news of his coming the whole land of Iran was given over to feasting and rejoicing. Everywhere flowers were flung onto the streets, gay Persian carpets were hung from the balconies, and young and old came forth to sing and dance with mirth and music. But the great Salm himself was away at this time, fighting the deeds of Mezindiran, so his son sent swift messengers on wind-footed dromedaries, bearing unto him a likeness of Rustem, worked in silk, representing the babe on a horse, armed like a warrior, and carrying a cow-headed mace. 
when the old champion beheld this image he was overwhelmed with delight and returned thanks at once unto ormuzd for this splendid gift to his house the boy waxed daily in strength and intelligence but not until he was eight years old might the eyes of salm be gladdened by the sight of his wonderful grandson then when salm returned from his wars rustem went forth to meet him in the midst of a bodyguard mounted on coal-black steeds with golden maces and battle-axes gleaming in the sun while lords and nobles of the land with waving plumes and splendid banners followed in gaily decked howdahs borne on the backs of elephants to the squealing of fifes the blare of trumpets clash of cymbals and beating of drums when rustem beheld his illustrious grandsire approaching he dismounted as was meet and humbly approached on foot pausing before his elephant and bowing reverently to the ground beholding the youth salm was struck dumb with wonder and joy for he saw that not half had been told him as to the boy's stature and grace filled with delight the old warrior blessed his grandson and bade him ascend into the howdah beside him thus the two rode together unto zabulistan and rustem said unto salm o my grandsire i rejoice to be grandson to much a doer of deeds as thou for mine own desires are not after pleasure neither do i think of play nor rest nor sleep but ever and always i long to be a hero performing deeds of valor defeating those demons of darkness the deves saving persia from her foes and most of all now i crave a horse of mine own and a helmet and a coat of mail now psalm was delighted with these words and ere he left the house of zal again to go forth to battle and said remember my silver-crowned son when this child's stature equals thine he is to have a horse of his own choosing and all the trappings thereto honor this as my parting command short and full were the days of rustem's childhood filled with many a deed of valor and he was still but a lad in years when the great day came whereon psalm decreed he had earned the right to choose his own horse as had been promised accordingly a proclamation was sent out to all the provinces of persia commanding that upon the first day of the approaching festival of roses all the choicest horses in the land should be brought to zabulistan and rustem might choose from among them soon the hills without the city grew white with the tents of traders from kabul and the afghan pasture lands while hordes of half-wild tartars in black sheepskin caps swarmed over the plains with their herds of dark-maned horses low-browed men from the caspian standing erect in their saddles rode their clean-limbed animals at full speed beneath the city walls and troops of high-spirited arab coursers went prancing hither and yon in charge of a dignified sheik of the desert on the morning of the festival of roses when the meadows smiled with verdure filling all the air with fragrance zal and rustem took their seats on a beautiful golden throne just without the western gate midst a throng of people gathered together to see the splendid show one by one the meddlesome steeds were led for inspection before the seat of rustem proudly each master approached but though many a horse was swift and beautiful and gentle rustem the powerful bore down the weight of his hand on each and not one among them but sank to his haunches from force of that mighty pressure 
crestfallen his master was forced to lead them away alas so fared it with horse after horse till keen disappointment filled the soul of rustem and he knew not what he should do to find a steed to bear him but letting his eye rove over the field and one last muster behold he suddenly spied beyond the tents of Kabul a mare and her foal feeding quietly on the hillside the mare appeared strong as a lioness but it was the colt that held rustem's eye for its color was that of rose leaves scattered on a saffron ground it appeared as strong as an elephant as tall as a camel as vigorous as a lion and its eyes fairly beamed with intelligence seeing this rustem cried o sons of Kabul, unto whom belongeth yon splendid colt the herdsmen shook their heads gravely and answered most gracious prince we know not all the way from the afghan valleys the colt and his mother have followed us and we could neither drive them back nor capture them we have heard it said however that the name of the colt is rakush or lightning because he is swift as a flash and his spirit is fire many have desired to possess him but in vain no man hath ever mounted him no sooner had rustem heard this than he seized a lariat from the nearest herdsman ran quickly forward and threw the noose without warning over the head of the startled colt then followed a furious tussle not so much with the colt as with the frenzied mother but lo the son of zal strove with such mighty strength that he soon drove the mare from the field then he pressed his hand with all his weight down on the colt's back but rakush did not even bend under it so rustem gave a glad cry and caressing the creature fondly said o rakush rakush verily thou shalt be my throne seated on thee i shall do great deeds my beauty so speaking with a great bound the young prince leaped upon his back and rose-colored steed bore him over the plain with the speed of the wind but at a single word from his master rascouche turned and came quietly back to the city gates where the vast crowd was mightily cheering then zal said unto the herdsman good herdsman what wish ye in exchange for this steed but the herdsman turning to rustem made answer gravely his price is a land of persia mount him and give us in exchange iran delivered from her foes thus it was that rustem won his good horse Rakush, and ever after they too were fast in devotion loving one another now the chief foes of persia in those days were the debs dark demons who dealt in sorcery they walked upright like men but had horns long ears and tails like beasts and many were cat-headed some were small and black but more were huge and gigantic and ever the land where they dwelt was a place of illusions and magic it took the heart of a hero to do battle with such as these the shah over all persia at the time was one kaikus whose riches and power had so increased since he sat on the throne of light that he grew puffed up with self-admiration and pride indulging more and more in the wine cup until in the midst of his luxury and feasting he beheld in all the world no man but himself then it came to pass one day as the vain shah sat in his trellised bower in a garden of roses that a dive disguised as a minstrel and playing sweetly upon his harp presented himself to the king's chamberlain and with honeyed words sought entrance beguiled by the charm of the youth the chamberlain hastened at once to the king to beg an audience for him o shelter of the universe he said 
at thy gate is a minstrel with his harp, and lo, in his throat he hides a flock of singing birds that will make thy bower a paradise. He hath come hither desiring to prostrate himself before the king of kings, the most illustrious of all the shahs of Iran, and he awaiteth thy command being naught but the dust beneath thy feet. The king, blinded by the flattery so that he perceived no guile, commanded the musician to be brought before him, and the youth, having made obeisance, began to sing of the enchanted land of the genii. Now thus he warbled to the king, Mezindiran is the bower of spring. My native home, the balmy air, diffuses health and fragrance there. So tempered is the genial glow, nor heat nor cold we ever know. Tulips and hyacinths abound on every lawn and all around. Blooms like a garden in its prime, fostered by that delicious clime. The bulbul sits on every spray and pours his soft, melodious lay. Each rural spot its sweets discloses, each streamlet is the dew of roses. The damsel's idols of the heart sustain a most bewitching part. And mark me that untraveled man who never saw Mezindiran, and all the charms its bowers possess has never tasted happiness. Now as the king's desire was to drain the cup of happiness to the dregs, no sooner had he heard the minstrel's lay of this enchanting land than straightway he became inflamed with the desire to possess it for his own and declared unto his warriors that they must set forth to conquer it at once alas the nobles when he heard these words of vanity and folly grew pale with dread for they had no desire to invade the country of the deeds but words were useless to restrain the shah neither the wise counsel of the white-headed Saul would he heed nor of any other noble he boasted an answer that naught beneath the sun could withstand the prowess of kaikus the mighty ere the week was out the great army of iran was in motion the vainglorious king at its head his magnificent retinue of richly caparisoned horses camels and elephants making the earth tremble beneath their tread so they marched pitching their tents each night and passing the hours in revelry that ill became those about to do battle with evil then the king sent out his bravest warrior, Gu, while he himself remained encamped on the plain at a safe distance from the conflict, and he bade Gu break down the gates of the first city in Mazinderan, sparing no man, woman, nor child. So Gu advanced, and when he was come unto the city, he found it indeed arrayed in all the splendor of paradise, even as the minstrel had sung. Beauty, verdure, fragrance filled all the senses with delight, while gold and jewels glittered everywhere. In the streets were beautiful maidens, richly adorned, with faces as bright as the moon. But Gu knew that all this beauty was but the illusion of sorcery, and that in truth the deeds were ugly and foul. He was not, therefore, beguiled. Soon clubs rained down upon the deeds like hail, and ere night had fallen the city that had resembled a garden was become a heap of ruins kaikous was wild with elation at news of the victory that he had done naught to win and more puffed up than ever with vanity he gave command to plunder and pillage taking thought of nothing at all save only to slake his greed and all unworthy the mighty victory over the powers of darkness which he knew not how to turn to any good account but over his foolish head hung the sword of vengeance for the king of Mazinderan, hearing what had happened to one of his mighty cities, 
sent to the most dreaded and powerful magician in all the land, the great white deev, and bade him destroy the men of Iran. And the great white deev rose up in wrath and sent a heavy black cloud to envelop the drunken plunderers, causing stones and javelins to rain down on them out of the pitch-black sky. All was terror and confusion, nor could any man protect himself. By morning, who was not fled or dead was stricken stone-blind, and among those latter, Kaikus himself. Then came twelve thousand genii to thrust the blind men into prison. And a voice called out, mocking unto Kaikus, Verily, O Shah, thou hast attained Mazinderan, which was thy heart's desire. Wherefore, be now content. Thus Kaikus dwelt in the land after which his heart had yearned, until, the eyes of his soul being opened in genuine repentance, he bowed himself in the dust, casting black earth upon his head, and acknowledged his fault. Then, and then only, means appeared whereby he might send a messenger unto Zal. When the silver-crowned one heard the sorrowful news, he delayed not, but sent Rustem at once to the rescue. Clad in his tiger-skin and iron helmet, with only his faithful steed for company, the young hero set forth on the perilous journey. Long and difficult was the way, and in many a sore extremity Rakush succored his master, saving him now from a lion, now from a dragon, keeping watch and ward over him while he slept, and cheering him ever with faithful comradeship and affection. So Rustem came at last out of a desert into the land of enchantment, and as everything here was illusion, everything seemed to the eye most beautiful. Feathered palms lazily nodded their heads, bananas flaunted their ribbon-like leaves over clusters of ripened fruit, and on the ground, in rich profusion, temptingly lay pomegranates, apricots, citrons. In the leaves overhead the nightingale sang, and lo, there suddenly appeared to the astonished sight of the hungry hero a table daintily spread with viands. Unsaddling Rakush and bidding him graze, Rustem sat down to break a long fast, but he ate full temperately and sang as he ate, Oh, the scourge of the wicked am I, and my days still in battle go by. Not for me is the red wine that flows in the reveler's cup, nor the rose, that blooms in the land of delight, but with monsters and demons to fight. As Rustem sang, his voice reached the ears of the wicked enchantress who had delayed him with the table, and changing herself into a beautiful maiden with the face of spring, she appeared unto him. Her skin was like shell-tinted ivory, her lips and cheeks like the pomegranate, her soft dark eyes curtained with long sweeping lashes, and her misty garments gave forth such a fragrance that they perfumed all the air. At her approach, Rustem was enraptured. She seemed like an ori from paradise, but minding the duties of hospitality, he extended to her a goblet, saying, Drink in the name of Ormuzd. No sooner had he named the name of God than, lo, that wicked sorceress changed color, becoming in a twinkling black as coal. Then Rustem knew her for no hori but a witch, and he snared her in his lasso, crying, Wicked creature, show thyself in thy true shape. Whereon he held in his grasp naught but a leering, decrepit old woman. He smote at her with his sword, but she slipped from his hand and vanished with mocking, fiendish laughter. Vanished, too, were the table and viands, and Rustem lingered no more, but saddled Rakush and went on his journey. Now he passed through a land of pitch-black darkness and impenetrable gloom, where he knew not what dangers might lurk on either hand, but, lifting up his heart unto Ormuz for protection and guidance, he gave unto Rakush the rein and plunged boldly forward, emerging at length 
thanks to the all-merciful one into a most beautiful country where the sun was shining herein he found one allad a chief and pressed him into his service as guide by whose aid he came at length to the fateful spot where kaikous fell into the hands of the enemy there he beheld the great camp of arzang mightiest of all the white deev's chiefs and arzang came boastfully forth to meet him but in rustem's heart was neither boasting nor vanity only sure confidence of the hero who forgetteth himself and knoweth his cause is just and he seized the mighty sorcerer like a puny worm in his grasp and slew him and hurled him headlong into the ranks of his own shuddering deeds who beholding the fate of their chief fled one and all terror-stricken before the conqueror then, then rustem paused not for a moment but guided by allad pressed on at once to the prison of kaikous great was the joy of kaikous and his comrades at their deliverance they offered up thanks to ormuzd and showered upon rustem their gratitude but kaikous counselled the young hero to proceed at once and slay the great white deev in his lair in the seven mountains ere that sorcerer learned of his coming and brought against him such a multitude of evil ones that not even rustem could withstand him and he told him that three drops of the white deev's blood in their blinded eyes would recover sight to himself and his miserable companions thus exhorted the son of zal vaulted into a saddle and rakush bore him off like the wind so they sped till they came unto the seven mountains dark and terrible with frowning cliffs and beetling crags and yawning caverns and everywhere about were crowded myriads of deeves fierce black and horrible beyond belief rustem was one against a multitude yet he waited wary and watchful until the deeves were lost in lazy noonday slumber when he rushed so fiercely upon them thundering his battle-cry that in confusion of their stupid sleep hundreds fell beneath his sword while the rest fled panic-stricken into the depths of the earth so rustem advanced in safety to the lair of the great white deeve but alas alas never in all his imaginings had he dreamed of a place so gloomy and foul a cavern of pitchy blackness heavy with evil odours yet his heart was strong and he knew no quaking of fear as he made his way forward in the centre of the cave he saw looming up out of the darkness a mighty shape which filled the whole breadth of the cavern and he knew by its thunderous snoring that this was the white deev himself bold as a lion rustem shouted his battle-cry and sprang at him thus suddenly aroused from slumber the deev was terrible in his wrath uttering a hideous shriek he rushed upon his foe and they grappled in a struggle the shock of which caused the very mountains to tremble many a time it seemed to rustem that his last hour had surely come but lifting up his heart to ormuz and putting forth all his strength he suddenly caught the huge deev in his arms and by one supreme effort hurled him over a cliff to his death in the yawning chasm below then he possessed himself of some of the white deev's blood and returning to kaikous and his comrades dropped it into their eyes whereby the enchantment laid on them by the deev was done away and they received again their sight great as was now the joy of the men of iran there still remained to be conquered the king of mazindiran who came thundering down upon them with a mighty army 
both horse and foot long was the struggle with him and many a champion among the magicians rustem vanquished yet the tide of battle was still uncertain then kaikous changed now in heart by his sufferings from that vainglorious boaster who went forth against the thieves clothed himself in robes of humility and prostrated himself before ormuz beseeching that the kingdom of light might triumph over the kingdom of darkness and lo by the evening the thieves were put to flight and rustem pursuing found the ugly king with his great boar neck and great boar tusks left all alone and he challenged him to combat desperately fought the king and coolly fought rustem in the end rustem raised his sword for such a stroke as would have slain the monster but in the twinkling of an eye the sorcerer changed himself to a great mass of rock before which rustem stood baffled kaikous gave orders to all his strongest men to drag the rock to his throne not all their strength together could even so much as lift it then rustem bent his sturdy back lifted the rock in his mighty arms and bore it to the shah as he cast it down before him he cried coward come forth or with my mace i will grind this stone to powder seeing this trick was useless the sorcerer quickly made himself visible and kaikous beholding how wicked was his aspect ordered him off to immediate execution then kaikous made Aulad the guide king over mazindiran after which with great rejoicing he and rustem and all their men went home to persia so the tree of gladness blossomed once more in iran and because of his mighty victory over the kingdom of darkness the name of rustem stands blazoned among the stars end of section forty eight end of from the tower window of my bookhouse edited by olive beaupre miller